Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here again with sidekick Brad today, uh, rejoining us for the podcast. And uh, I'm excited about today. I'm super excited about today's podcast, Brad. Uh, I uh, so we're going to be talking about this book, Attached. Oh, look, it actually doesn't look backwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And there it is. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're going to be talking about this book. And I love the book. I mean, I have been hearing from clients uh, that have been telling me about it. And I've dabbled in it. And of course, as a counselor, you deal with attachment issues all the time. But the no. book, this book simplified it a lot. And so I feel like it's a really good discussion. I mean, for people that, and I compared it best, Brad, with the fact that we just talked about the five love languages. Yep. Great basic <clears throat> book, helps you understand, you know, the how you love, how your partner loves, different love styles. And this book is like the next level. So this is, this is like how we attach in a relationship, which I don't even like the word attached, but, uh, but how we attach in a relationship is, uh, it's, it, that's where all of our triggers are. That's about who we, uh, who we actually attract, what our patterns are and, uh, and how, what kind of challenges we're going to have in our relationships because of our own attachment style and our partner's attachment style. And, uh, you know, this, this whole attachment thing, so I know I took the quiz in the book. Uh, I can't say I agree with it, but uh, I took it. And uh, and then Brad took it. Well, psychology it. can't be wrong. It, I just, it. okay, so here's where, what I'm going to say before I even get into this. Because even though I do love a lot of the information that's in this book, I'm also one of these where, you know, I, I research is everything to me. Right. And I think that there's fairly recent research. Um, I'm not sure from a, a, a standpoint of validity as to how many people, they, how they followed them, where they got them from, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure from a validity standpoint that I love where the, how the information was gathered Completely and put agree together. Yeah. And so you have to take it with a grain of salt, but the reason I like it is because it does give you a box in a sense so you can evaluate some of your behaviors and patterns and at least make understand some of them because some of them do make sense psychologically. Some of them absolutely do. Oh, I think there's a complete correlation to what you started at the beginning, which is about the, the five love languages. You can see pieces and parts mm -hmm. of the five love languages in the three different attachment types. Right. And that, that again, as we said with love languages, they're just manuals. Right. It's just a guide. It's to take what out of it, what you learn and what you can get from it and to put it into practice and to, and to continually learn. I don't think any of these things, and I've heard you say it, are like, well, this is what you have to do. Right? right. There's pieces and parts of everything that you're learning when you're going through these processes that you have to kind of take into effect. Because I agree with you, like, just real quick, some of the baby studies, I'm like, well, no kidding. They got upset. <laughs> Right. They were 18 months old. So right. there's not too many 18 months I know they're, when their mom leaves a room with a room full of toys are going to just be perfectly fine with playing with that, toys. That, but that's some interesting you know, stuff, so. though, that, that at 18 months they can already be programmed where mom leaves the room. Well, sure. And those avoidant kids or the anxious kids, it's avoidant or, or anxious, uh, they are the ones that avoidant. They're the ones that are completely unaffected by it. So they test their, their level, their stress level. And they don't even acknowledge if mom walks back in the room, it's like she's back in the room. And that was one of my, okay, so I'm going to actually have to use my old people glasses today because I am, I'm going to read the book because there were way too many notes uh, to be able to, uh, to be able to go through. So this. you're going to start with avoidant? You no, start I'm actually going to okay. start with the, my wow, the one wow factor I wrote down okay. in the book. So um, when the secure, so the baby, the, uh, when the baby is in the room and the mom leaves, a secure baby will visit, is visibly distressed when mommy leaves the room. When mommy returns, he's happy and eager to greet her. Uh, once in safety of her presence, he's quick to be reassured, calm down and resume play activity where the avoidant, which is what I was talking about. This was the really cool part for me. When mommy leaves the room, this baby acts like nothing's happened. Upon her return, the 
their baby remains unmoved, uh, ignores the mom and continues to play indifferently. Uh, and, uh, the, but the facade doesn't tell the whole story. In fact, the baby is neither calm nor collected. Researchers have found that these babies' heart rates are actually just as elevated as other babies who express immense distress in their, with their cortisol levels and their hormones are high. So even though these babies are, are ignoring mom and like nothing's happening, I'm fine, everything's good, they're still stressed. Yeah, they're just playing it cool. And that's fascinating yeah. that at such a young age, they are already programmed to be numb to things yeah, that to are point, happening. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, that's pretty crazy. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then there was, who was the guy's name? Barlow or whatever. He did the monkey studies. Like, I did you read it? Yeah, that, I remember were. reading about that many years ago in, in school, um, psychology, just talking about the monkeys and how they deprived them of uh, their their mother and the different things that they put into place. Like, they, they put... Um, a, a feeding station that was like a wire feeding station. So it was just food. And then they put a, a station with like a towel that was something warm for the babies to go up and, and snuggle up against. And the whole idea was, does the attachment come from, uh, does it come from food from the, from the person that feeds them? Is that where attachment comes from? Is that reward system? Or is it, is it from the comfort system, from the emotional system? And it was the emotional system. So the monkeys would go and eat from the wire thing, but then they would go snuggle up next to the towel, which, which honestly makes me want to cry. It's so sad that they did that to poor little monkeys. I mean, I know. I mean, these poor monkeys were deprived of like, and they did it. They, they probably did yeah, more Yeah, but I mean, I think at that point, people. I think at that point, we're also dealing with instinct versus emotion. Their instinct is they need to eat as an animal. They don't sit around and go, well, I want to go to Albernay's tonight, or do I want to go to Ruth's Chris? <laughs> right? They are one, like, there's food, and I'm going to eat it. It's survival. And then they get that emotional bond that they were lacking from the warm towel. So it is a little different. I want to flip back real quick on the on the child studies. You that want to keep talking was, about monkeys? No. Um, <laughs> oh, God, there's so many jokes that just came in my brain right then that I can't <laughs> I can't keep even. them to yourself. <laughs> do not. So um, I thought it was interesting that they talked about that, you know, children need bonding. We all agree with that. We, no question about it that infants and children need bonding. But I think at the same time, we're seeing it in today's society, an overbonding, an overprotection, the helicopter parents, and now we're seeing them as adults that just want me, me, me. I'm the one. I'm the one. Get out of me. I get what I want. Right. Blah, 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 as you're seeing. So I think there is that happy medium. Mm -hmm. in the, that's why I thought also um, three attachment styles seem very limiting to me. I don't, maybe that's just me as not being Well, there's a, a lot of options out. There was a lot of options. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just seems very, um, like, we all meet people that are like, oh, which one are you? Like, you're all 10. <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's like, where's the, I can't limit you to just three. Well, so, so here's where we're going to go today because uh, we, we've been talking about, there's just so much information with this. So we're going to do a good basic uh, overview. So some of you haven't read the book. And even those of you that have, we're just going to do an overview today. We're going to talk about attachment. We're going to talk about some history and science about it, and then go through the different attachment styles. Perfect. Uh, and all I want people to do that are listening and watching is I want you to see where you identify. And <clears throat> chances are you might identify in different places because at the attachment style can be, you can have multiple because you have multiple caregivers. It's not just parents because some people's caregivers weren't parents. Some people were raised by their nannies. Some people were raised by families. Some people were raised by siblings, depending on the family situation. So, uh, and you could have uh, a secure mom, a secure attachment style with mom and an, uh, an anxious with your dad. And therefore, number one, you could have multiple. And number two, depending on your lifestyle and what relationship you're in and where you are, For sure. you could be displaying different ones because they're hitting triggers. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting too that they state that about 70 to 75% of us kind of stay in the same attachment styles that we don't move out of them very often. And that's a, um, that is also a, a flowing statistic. Yeah, because I agree. It's, yeah. So I want to, while you're looking up some stuff that you want to talk about, I want to encourage everybody that's watching, jump on Facebook, ask us a question about the attachment styles. Yes. Let us know what's going on because this is interactive. We want you guys to jump on there and ask us questions so we can, you know, be sure that Jen gets the information out that you guys want too. But so you want to start, which one do you want to start with? Well, uh, I'm going to start with the anxious. So why the, would you do that? Are you well, sure you want to start with that? Do you really want to? <laughs> 
I'm going to slap you, Brad. You have to read the book to know. <laughs> you have to read the book to know what just occurred. So Okay. Uh, so, uh, see, Can I, I to, interrupt real quick? Oh, my. Well, you just did, so go ahead. Why don't you tell them once again the, the three? So, and give there's us. There's anxious, secure, and avoidant. Okay. And we're going to start with anxious. And again, there's many variations of all three of those, but those are the three in this book that we're talking about. Perfect. And I think it simplifies things. Okay. Old people classes. Okay. So here we go. Uh, so anxious, thinking about your mate, difficulty concentrating on other things, uh, remembering only their good qualities, putting them on a pedestal, underestimating your talents and abilities and overestimating theirs. An anxious feeling only goes away when you're in contact with them. Uh, believing this is your only chance for love, as in, I'm only compatible with very few people. What are the chances I'm going to find somebody else? By the way, there's a lot of you out there that do that, that, that actually say, you know, there, there's hardly anybody for me or there's no good men or women. Like, there's a lot of variations of this conversation that right here right, I agree. Uh, than just that. It doesn't have to be that extreme, but it could be, it is that underlying feeling that you're not going to find somebody. Right. Okay. One of the questions I saw was, do you feel incomplete when you're single? Uh -huh. You know, you're incomplete. You're not full. Gosh. Uh, believing this is your... I know, it's just, I just, no, I know. I mean, I it's... And, and the book does state that most people you meet are anxious because they can't find that person. And it, that sort of makes sense, too. Hey, Ginger. So. Hey, Stacy. Hey, Phyllis. Three of my girls. I love it. Uh, love seeing you guys tuning in. Uh, believing this is your only chance for love. Okay. Um, it takes years to meet someone new. I'll end up alone. Believing that you're unhappy. You'd better not let go in as if she, if she or he leaves me, they'll turn around and find a great partner. Uh, he can change. All couples have problems, right? Men call that crazy. <laughs> Just saying, come on. You're Trying to lighten it up a little bit. Very funny, Brad. No, but there are. Mental I mean, like, really, when you think crazy. about it, but when you think about it, there are. You'll start to, as you read the book, you'll start to be. Oh, now I'm. Now I know. I and that, like, to me, this is the crazy, and then the avoidant is the jerk or the Maybe. you know the the other word. But but so. the other part of this is we were just talking about. Um, we were just talking about uh, love bombing. Yep. And uh, the anxious, this anxious style would mostly, even though I don't want to throw a label in there, but that love bomber is probably going to be your anxious uh, attachment style. Yeah, they're they're needing constant contact. Where are you? What are you doing? Please. They're text giving me. you what they need. Correct. Okay, Correct. Because they're looking for validation. Okay, so if you're anxious, you shouldn't be dating somebody who's an avoidant, which we haven't gone into. Um, yeah, they'll see that real clear. Yeah. So let me let me skip over that because that's all anxious stuff. How about we get into how the anxious acts? I want you to walk through because they have these different type of strategies, right? Like activating strategies and here I'm going to give you, you know, those to read. So I'm going to let you read those. Which one are these? These that, activating? That's it. Yeah, that's them. What? What are you gushing me for? I'm trying to help you out here. So mind reading, that's it. I know she's leaving me. I'll never find anyone else. I knew this was too good to last. All or nothing thinking. Um, I've ruined everything. There's nothing I can do to mend the situation. She or he she can't treat me this way. I'll show him or her. I, and that's the one where they say, I'm going to make you jealous to get back to me, right? I mean, mm -hmm. isn't that kind of what they're doing? Uh, I have to talk to or see him or her right now. She'd better come crawling back to beg my forgiveness. Otherwise, she can forget about me forever. <laughs> With a snap. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of them. I think the thing that, that I saw about this was, is, and I saw a little definition was, is that thoughts and feelings that compel you to seek closeness with your partner. And when you think about it, if you're anxious, you're trying to activate that other person. You're trying to stimulate them to do something that right. you need them to do for you. Right. And the avoidant is deactivating. They're like, no, you need to back off. And so, so go through some of that because I think those activating strategies, we've well, all, let's talk we've about all where done it comes it. from because I think that's also important. I mean, even though um, there, there are different variations, where does some of this come from? So this would come from a childhood and a background of where you had inconsistent parenting and it, there can be all forms of it. I don't want to say trauma because there's big T and little T trauma. I don't want to use trauma as an example, but there could be a traumatic uh, background. It could be 
Uh, one parent was unavailable because they traveled, as simple as travel. Sure. One parent was unavailable because uh, they were, uh, they were a, you know, an alcoholic, and so they were emotionally unavailable. Uh, inconsistency, uh, not, not being there, not being available. And again, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be because you were neglected. Uh, and unloved or abused, although this also falls into the category because there's all forms of it. Uh, but it, it also is, uh, it also can be just a matter of maybe it's a single working mom and raising kids and she's not available because she's working. And so there was um, an anxiousness about whether or not they were going to survive, financial stress. I mean, all kinds of levels of stress. I mean, can fall into this anxious. So category. let me ask you a question with your background and your knowledge. Do you feel like are these learned traits? Like, could I be quote unquote, I can't anymore, but could a child be born secure and turn into anxious because of the upbringing and the environment? That's a, it's a very interesting question because I do 100% think this is all learned. I, I'm, okay. I come from the learned behaviorist theory anyway. So yes, I do believe that. And, uh, and, do I think it could be changed or yes? Because let's say when the baby's in the womb and firstborn, mom's mom is secure and loving her child and so excited about the birth, uh, and is giving that baby in the first six months of their life incredible attention, love, and security. But then there's a divorce. Something happens, or something happens. The husband dies, and now there's now that behavior changes. Yes, I do 100% think it can, it, because there's different stages, the way the brain is formed uh, up until, I mean, really at the age of 13, 16, it stops. I can't remember what it is now, but, but as a child, most of that stuff is done very early in childhood. Most of those, you know, your frontal cortex and all that, all those areas that you're, that you're having to build. Uh, as a child, those are being built when you're young. And so the thing about it, and this is the thing, Brad, the thing about this is that, and this is where you see, tend to see people that, guys that will say women are crazy or vice versa, that men are crazy because people are can be crazy and here's why. Because if a child went through this brain trauma, because that's really what it is, it sure. changes the brain. An emotional brain trauma. Something like that. Without getting into all kinds of technical terms, sure. the brain is a certain way that that's the way the brain is formed. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part because if it's, if that's the way the brain is formed, unless the brain is trained in a new way, and there are things, but unless the brain is trained in a new way, which it can be, by the way, I want everybody to know it can be, um, then that is where you're going to find the repeated be uh, behaviors that show up. So, so next question then is, since you just talked about it, the trained brain, can someone, let's say in this anxious attachment style, can they move to secure? Of course they can. Okay. Yes, of course they can. And the best way for somebody to move to a secure style is number one, to get a lot of therapy and counseling, sure. right? Uh, or number two, to be in a relationship with a secure, because they do mm -hmm. show that when an anxious or an avoidant goes into a relationship with a secure, that they can change. They right. can be they can become secure. The level definitely decreases, right? Right. The anxiety or that avoidance decreases. And again, which should tell you that it's learned. Some, I, I mean, I'm, I agree with you because some some of the stuff in the book, and this is where we talk about this, is take out of it what what works and, and what you're learning is some of the book says they can't change. Right. And that's why I wanted to ask you that because I had a feeling that you would agree that, I mean, with the right effort and the right practices, you can change. Brent jumped on here and says, sounds like I need a pocket-sized card I can pull out on a first meeting, you know, to test that new lady. <laughs> you have some, Brent, have some bullet points. <laughs> here's what you can do. You can listen. You can listen to what she's saying because we just read you a bunch of things from the book that sh that she might say to you if she is or behaviors that you would exhibit. Uh, you know, an untrustworthy uh, type person, female or male, that doesn't trust, that they could say, well, it's because I had somebody that was unfaithful. Yes, relationships can uh, relationships it can definitely change if you're secure and you had a really bad relationship where you were traumatized by uh, uh, infidelity or I, I one of the things I would 
that I'm going to throw in there that's going to traumatize people is also narcissism because sure. that that definitely is a is a yeah. big trauma. Uh, so you're dealing with somebody who uh, is in an anxious uh, style. So uh, so anyway, I know there's so much information. So we go on and on and on. About before it. we go on to the next one, I want you to talk a little bit about the other type of behaviors that anxious do. And I think they're important because I want to be sure people get all the tools they need to kind of understand these things. So there's this other one they call this protest behavior, which is where they say they put their foot down, they kind of stomp their feet and they say, I'll get, I'll show you. Right. Right. That's that angst. I'm going to try to pull out of you what I need in this relationship. And one of the things they talk about is like keeping score. They manipulate the situation, you know, making their partner jealous. So like walk through some of those, like why would someone want to do that in a relationship? Is that simply because like, because their attachment style, they're just not getting anything they need. So they're trying to just do all they can to get it. Here's the list. Act out, attempt to reestablish contact at any cost. So stalk somebody, right? Yeah. Go to their work, go to their house, uh, pick a fight, wait for them to make first reconciliation move, threaten to leave, act hostile, roll your eyes, look disdainful, uh, try to make him or her jealous, act busy or unapproachable, withdraw, stop talking to your partner or turn away from them or act manipulatively. So there's the list. Uh, so what did you want to know about the list? So what I want to know is, is how does help us understand how someone gets to that point thinking that type of behavior is going to be good for a relationship. It's the brain. It's, I mean, you just, it's you just, just there. can't, I mean, it is the brain. It's, it is a, what that is uh, technically it's fight or flight. I mean, it is where, uh, th that amygdala is getting triggered. I hate that. It's such a yucky word. It's disgusting, actually. We're not talking about it anymore. There's <laughs> We're never other using body that parts again. that are worse. But, but part of the brain is triggered into flight or fight. And so that's what's happening. And so this is this is a mechanism. It's a behavior that has worked for them before. I'm so doing all I can to hold on to this. That's that's all they know. So and chances are this has probably worked for them. So maybe um, maybe uh, dad was unavailable um, growing up, and so when dad did become available, the child withdrew as to demand more attention, like pouted or whatever. So they got the love that they needed. So yep. it's just all learned behavior. I mean, it is, it's all, at, we're all products of, of learned behavior. That's all it is. Okay. So, um, I want to go into the avoidant next because, uh, this is also a big one and the secure is just easier. And you guys make sure <laughs> that you, that's true. you make sure that you're putting down your questions and comments because uh, I want to make sure we hit them, at least from the basic standpoint we're at now. So let me go through the avoidant thoughts, emotions, and reactions. So all or nothing thinking, um, I knew he or she wasn't right for me and they just proved it. Uh, overgeneralizing, I, uh, overgeneralizing, I knew I wasn't made to be in the close relationship or I'm not good in relationships. She's taking over my life. I can't take it. Now I have to do everything his or her way. The price is too high. Uh, so they're just trying to escape. I need to get out of here. I feel suffocated. Uh, if she was the one, this kind of thing wouldn't happen. Mm -mm. See, I think that's one that I wanted you to highlight on because you've talked about it on the podcast before with, with guests and everything else, but that person that says the grass is greener. Right. So I'm going to move on and try to find the grass. They never stop doing that. Right. So we're going to get into that. So uh, when I was with my ex, this wouldn't have happened. So really making an ex somebody greater than they were. Uh, uh, malicious intent. She's out to annoy me. It's obvious. Why is it she? Why is it he's out to annoy me? <laughs> I should say something. <laughs> this, is, this is just wrong. Uh, malicious intent. Uh, she wants to tie, he wants to tie me down. This isn't true love. Uh, fantasize about having sex with other people. Uh, I'd be better off on my own or he's so needy or she's so needy. It's pathetic. So the emotions would be to withdraw, frustration, anger, pressured, feeling pressured, misunderstood, resentful, hostile, aloof, or empty or unappreciated. So let me ask you this. Does an avoidant automatically come in like this? Like no. my, my question is when I was reading no. this is why does an avoidant even try relationships? Because they have these hopes for and want to be in them, but once they're in them, they're fearful of being left okay. and uh, being abandoned. And 
Or, I mean, so let's talk about the origin because I think that makes more sense. Like, where does it come from? So this comes from a childhood where uh, you may have had, let's just use a very common example, a divorce situation. So divorce situation, uh, the kids live with mom and mom starts bashing the dad and using the child as an emotional uh, crutch. Right. Yeah. So that happens that, a lot. That so your dad does this to me and your dad does that. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we're going to make it financially and you need to get more money out of your fi- I got here. Oh yeah. This drives me nuts. Y'all. I'm just telling you that yeah. drives me nuts. You can't do that. You can't do that. Put children in the middle, but this is more from an emotional standpoint where one parent leaned more on the other. You hear it too, from a standpoint with females, with their dad, that dad wasn't close to mom or mom was unavailable, like un- 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 available emotionally for him. And so he relied on the little daughter for his love and affection. And so what happens is as that child gets older, so think about the fact that this child just want children are very selfish, right? They're just, I mean, they're they're just born that way. It's like everything is about them uh, until they reach a certain age. It's, it's all self. That's supposed to be the, what happens. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And yeah. When they reach a certain age, but they're, yeah, they're supposed to, but, uh, but having said that, um, (laughs) our producer's cracking up, Uh, Uh, but, but having said that, uh, the, like, Child can't go out and play with his friends or go on vacation with his friends because mom needs him, you know. So, so, so there's these, there's this, this feeling of being smothered in a close relationship or not, or being feeling pressure to not do something because you need to take care of this parent or whatever. So, you kind of see where the avoidant comes in. Somebody wants love, but they don't, when they're in it, they don't want to be smothered. They don't want. They it's have to have a very independent type person in their life. I thought it was interesting that avoidance shouldn't be with other avoidance. I think it works. Well, see, that's why I wanted to get your your thoughts on that because to me, that's that's kind of like you, now that's a principle of love languages, right? Try to find someone that's kind of got your primary and secondary because you know how to love them and they know how to love you because it's. If you need space and somebody else is just wanting is just want space also, and neither one of you is smothering each other, then that's what I'm saying. Why would I mean? Yeah, I don't see why. Like, I could see why the other two. I could see why two anxious wouldn't work because they're going to be constantly. But here's where the problem's going to be in that. So just to kind of roll through it, here's where the problem's going to be. Those avoidants want love also, so they do want love and they do want to be loved because. They do crave it because they didn't have a secure love in their life. They didn't have that security. So, uh, so, so having said that, that secure love, you know, yeah. that love that that was was healthy, and so they crave that. And then somebody gets close, and then they get triggered. So, uh, so I would think that the avoidant is the avoidant is that person that has multiple partners. The grass is greener yep. somewhere else because they're they're searching for something that doesn't exist, but they're craving it. So they're the people that might have affairs. They'll probably have affairs. That, that would that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's your cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> Now we know. I just reminded myself of somebody on the Saturday Night Live. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, So again, I think one of the things that we talked about is, and it it, to me, just to rewind a little bit. Can I wait before you? Can you hold that thought? Because I just want to finish this uh, avoidant thing. So their actions are uh, to act out, to get up and leave. Uh, to belittle the partner, to act hostile, look disdained, uh, make critical remarks, withdraw mentally or physically, minimize physical contact, uh, keep emotional sharing to a minimum, and stop listening to your partner uh, and ignore them. So one of the things I see in here that you brought up was being unfaithful. Right. So another list I see, and maybe you can address this real quick, but avoidance tend to fall in love with a person that is unavailable. So why is that? Is that because that person is unavailable? So that's what they're like, oh, that's perfect. Cause you're going to be, I don't have to do all this stuff. Well, uh, that's I mean, so I know it's where, probably real deep. Like you have to really, where did you, where are you reading that? These are from the book. Some of these quotes are from the book and stuff. And then some wrap ups that I saw. 
I, I think like attracts like, and I think that person that ultimately uh, likes their space and independence is going to be attracted to somebody else, at least initially, that likes their space and independence. Yep. Although, if that ever changes, then the dynamics of the relationship completely change. So, and what I was going to say right before before you go into secure was, to, to me, the, the, the few things that really stuck out in this was this. An anxious is activating. They're constantly trying to stimulate the relationship, get the partner back involved, chase, you know, whatever. They're the chaser, right? And the avoidant is the de-escalation. I'm trying to calm the relationship down, right? I'm trying to avoid this. And that's the deactivation, right? I'm trying to diminish it, the de-attraction. Uh -huh. And so I think those two words help. You know, avoidant is deactivating, anxious is activating. And, and I think those two words those are good. help out. So what about secures? So, so the, so secures are like, obviously the, Secure what everybody <laughs> wants to be. Um, and that of course comes from, so where's the origin that of course comes from having a consistent, uh, consistent parenting. So you knew like that baby that left the mom leaves the room, that baby was secure that she was going to come back and be available for him or her when she came back in the room. Uh, so that's a parent that is is consistently consistently there for you uh you know the secure is interesting because you and i both so score and i've scored high secure which uh which i i did i mean I'm, i don't know about any the rest of you but i it did surprise me a little bit but uh but i better be given what i do but still <laughs> but still <laughs> stop um, there before your business but gets still, uh, because because situations can shape you so i i'm i am I am interested, and I think the thing with the secure that is that is the most surprising is that, like, as, so, as soon as I read about it, the first thing that hit me is uh, because I did you, I did identify with the principles, and I want to go over those. But it it's that consistency. It comes from like knowing your parents were there, but that person that's loyal to a fault. How many times have we explained ourselves mm -hmm. as I'm that person that's loyal to a fault? Right. But this secure style was so brilliant in the way that it was explained in the fact that when you're secure, it's just hard to see all the other stuff. Like you're not, you're not assuming because you are secure that somebody's behavior, maybe somebody is withdrawing a little bit or they're spending more time at the office than they were. You're not going to assume that there's an affair going on. You're going to assume they're busy because you're secure, right? Well, I think the other so thing you is- get, You're the kind of person that gets blindsided. And in that situation, the secures will go to that person and say, what's going on? Let's talk about it. I've noticed this, or I feel like this. Can I help you? What they're not going to avoid the conversation. They're not going to avoid it, and they're not going to go into it like in anger. They're going to go into it with very sincere intentions to say, "Hey, is something going on with work? Or are you stressed? Or what can I do to help you?" Like it's a whole different kind of situation, which I thought was kind of unique. Yeah, it's coming in at a neutral ground without any preconceived ideas or fears that something else is wrong, where the anxious would be they're they're withdrawing, they don't love me anymore, they're cheating on me, they're they don't, you know, they don't want to be with me, I'm not exciting anymore. Right. You know, and uh I think you've said it many times, and that is they're 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 comfortable in their own skin. Yes. They know who they are, yes. they've done the work, and they're fine with who they are, and they understand that if that person doesn't like them for who they are, that's okay. There's someone will. Yes, but the problem is, uh, here's where the problem comes in with the secure people, is that when somebody does show to have a problem uh, or be troubled, that secure person is going to stay because they also are very loyal and they believe that they can work through whatever it is. Yep. So they're the type of person that is going to stay through an affair, that's going to stay through poor behavior, that's going to stick it out with somebody longer. They, yep. they're, they're more forgiving is actually the word that, uh, that the book and the, the psychology uh, references. Is there Which is interesting, too, because they also state in the book that secures are the quickest to notice red flags. Mm -hmm. So you notice them, but then you stay. Right. So, so every one of them has their faults, right? And Jen and I both both scored secure, so I get it. I, and I'm going to say this, though. I think that 
you know, like you said, quick to spot the red flags. I mean, I think that's training. I think that's from having a knowledge of self and of your relationships and what you like and what you don't like and what your non-negotiables are and having, having, uh, healthy boundaries. Right. So those are a lot of things that can be trained or learned uh, and and polished up as you're, you know, and, and honed as you get older. So I feel like secures have that. But I do think that you the, the secures are going to have more blind spots. Let me just read because I haven't read about the secures yet. So the secure example of secure principles uh, are to be available. Don't interfere. There's the don't interfere. Something's right. going on. They're busy. Don't interfere. Yep. Um, act uh, encouragingly. Yay. Words of affirmation. Uh-huh. Communicate <laughs> effectively. Uh, and so uh, they don't want to play games. They don't feel like they are, have to be responsible for their partner's well-being. They wear their heart on their sleeves. So they're not, yep. They can communicate their feelings. Which can hurt. Yep. Right? Sure. That can get you in trouble. Absolutely. Maintain focus and at the problem at hand. They don't make generalizations during conflict. And they douse the flame before it becomes a forest fire. So mm -hmm. they know how to how to handle conflict effectively. Uh, so, so ultimately, that's who everybody wants to be with. Because that's the one in the middle that is can actually heal the wounds of the other two. Can bring them to up a little bit less in them. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... So I want to ask you this, because yes. we've kind of gone through all three of them. So let's talk about this. Do you feel like within a relationship, let's say you're, you go into a relationship, you're secure, okay? And I'm, I'm not worried about the other part, I'm just saying. Do you feel like in a relationship, if it's a good, solid, long-term relationship, that you will fluctuate between these styles? Because I think we've all probably acted anxious, <laughs> Right? right. I mean, I think there's probably in a relationship you're going to be anxious from time to time. What's right. going on? What's happening? Are you okay? What's ha I feel like there's something between us. You know, there's a wall or something. What's going on? And then there's going to be times you're like, I just want to get away from everything, including you, honey. I just want to. <laughs> right. And, and I'm sure more women say that to men. <laughs> but so do you feel like you kind of fluctuate? I mean, I'm. I'm because that's what you do in the love languages, right? You do kind of go through all five of them from time to time. I think you can possess multiple, right? Yeah, I'm so, just wondering if there's some, you know, you have a base, right? Your foundation, but that in certain times you're probably going to be a, a little of each of these. Is right. That, I mean, would that does that make sense, or do you believe in that, or am I just crazy? Uh, no, no. I think you can have multiple, like I said at the beginning. So yeah. you could have one parent that was one way, and another parent that had different attachment style, and so therefore you could embody two. You know, right. and based on who you're with would be how you're going to show up and what interactions you're going to have. So it is important that you're looking at both of your parents and the dynamics. And then, of course, the trauma thing is big. So yeah. the trauma thing is really big. So even though our attachments are formed at birth, and I know this is a lot of psychological stuff. I know it is. <laughs> and I know it can be boring, but just... I promise you next week when we do the next part two, when we start talking about the different dynamics and how they, like the avoidant with the anxious yep. and and the anxious with the anxious. Oh, God, that would be horrible. Oh, my. Horrible. Uh, but be a tornado. I mean, that will be a little, I mean, you, you'll be able to relate a little bit more to that, I think, too, to some of those dynamics. But you got to play where you are and understand it because that's the key to it. So even if you had this childhood where you were, like I said, completely secure, and then all of a sudden some trauma happens. Again, there's a divorce, there's a death, there's, you know, uh, something. I mean, it could be, it could be dad died in an accident and mom right. didn't want to talk about it. Yep. And so it was brushed under the rug. And so there's this big subconscious trauma of, you know, somebody leaving yep. and I can't, but I can't talk <laughs> about not, it. And we're not going to deal with it. Right. So there's all levels of here. trauma that happen. So that's the thing, Brad, is yep. that if there is trauma, trauma changes the story. So regardless of the born attachment style, trauma changes the story. Well, Stress life changes the story. Life, you're, I mean, as they talk about in a book, right? The evolution, uh, evolutionary principles, right? You know, that hasn't stopped, right? So when boop, hits the fan, right. you're going to adapt, 
whether you think you're doing it, you know, knowingly or subconsciously or whatever, your body and your brain is going to tell you, this is how we're going to deal with this. And, you know, that's how alcoholics come about sometimes. Trauma, they can't deal with it. So right. they look to something else or they avoid this. Right. So, I mean, I think you bring up a valid point that life, relation, relationships, divorce, you could have been a secure in your marriage and now you've turned into an anxious because now you're going through all those thought patterns of, am I ever going to find anybody? It would have been, and then when they walk in your life, you're like, ah. Yeah, you and know. you need to understand these. Uh, you need to be able to understand these because they are going to affect, they are ultimately going yes. to affect who comes in your life and who stays in your life. Because the thing with these is they're patterns and they are, they're, they're patterns. And so what's going to happen is where they're really going to show up is with the triggers. Yeah. So they're going to show up with triggers and conflict. And so yep. when insecurity hits, conflict hits, something happens, the partner becomes unavailable or checks out a little bit, and then the anxious partner comes in, and now yep. all this crazy behavior is starting because those crazy thoughts went from, you know, from... It all comes back, right? Yeah, and it's not that you're crazy. It's the crazy thoughts. It's, it is the pattern. It is the belief system that is talking. It's not that you're crazy. Right. It is just... It's that subconscious feeling coming back again mm -hmm. of fear, not being safe. Uh, you know, having said that, that was one thing, and I haven't, I have not thought about it. I'm merely thinking out loud at the moment because I did read this book recently, and uh, I have, I have I always have more questions than I do answers when I do something like this. I just do. That's I'm, good. I'm a questioner. That's good. But. I do wonder about this thing with safety with women because women want to feel safe in a relationship more safe, than anything. Sure. It's always about safety. And then you look at, but not every woman is anxious. They're not anxious attached, but they still seek safety. So I'm a secure and safety and consistency are the biggest thing in my life. Like is that a hardwire though? Is that been through the time? Maybe because I had it. Is that is that something that you you're you know you had it, you were raised with it, or is that something that's just you just generally find in females? Maybe you seek it because you know what it feels like. I mean, I, that's the only thing I can think of is that you know what security and safety feels like. But at the same so time, I would raise it. I would raise my hand to you and talk and ask you, well. But women who didn't have that, let's say they had a dad issue or a challenge. They're seeking it too. They also seek it. I know. That's my point. And they may seek it even more. Right. Because they've never had but it. But the difference between that is going to be this, I think. So I think from a counseling standpoint, I could say this, that they're seeking out to heal a wound versus being seeking out a healthy relational emotion. So feeling safe in a relationship is healthy. You should feel safe. Everybody wants to feel safe, even the man. It's not just a woman thing. But when our wound isn't healed, and let's say it is a, it is somebody who's not healthy, who maybe had a dad that left or a parent that left or raised themselves or had an alcoholic parent, somebody who was unavailable, they are they're seeking to heal a wound. So they're seeking to fill a space and avoid with somebody else or something else versus coming from a healthy place. Does right. that make sense? They're that coming from sense. an empty space yeah. versus a full space. Yeah, they're just so trying I'm to fill the hole. From, I demand this because this is what I had and this is what I want. And I'm not going to settle for anything else because this is what love feels like. And I know it because I had it. Um, where they're coming from a place of, I didn't have it. I need it. And I don't know what it feels like, so I'm going to keep looking for it even if I find it and because... You, you right? just described secure and anxious. Yeah. Right. Perfectly. Right. An anxious comes in trying to fill a void and does that in any way they can, right? And a secure comes in saying, no, I want this because I know what it feels like and it makes me feel good and we, I need this. And I think this that's, is an, one important, of my that's an important uh, you know, distinction because of the fact that everybody needs it. You yes. know, everybody, including men, everybody wants safety and security. Everybody wants it. It's where it's coming from. Okay, let's hit the avoidant now. So again, safety, security, because there's, I mean, obviously here we are hitting, going to secure, which is the center right. of all this, a secure attachment. Um, the avoidant is also seeking safety, but safe to them is something completely different right. because safe to them 
they didn't get it either. They sought out love and instead they were smothered. You know, yep. they were, they were, pre they felt pressure. They were overwhelmed. They, you know, so they Just didn't get alone. it either. Yep. So, uh, gosh, so complicated. Life and love is just so complicated. I mean, it really is. I, uh, interestingly enough, we started this podcast off and I know we have to kind of wrap up a little bit, but I wanted to say that I felt like I don't like the word attached. Like I don't, I don't think we should be attached to anything. I think we have, uh, and I like these as attachment principles, uh, but attachment, attachment to anything and I sound like an avoider right now, but I'm just, I'm aware of that, but, but Secure avoider. I want to, I, I mean, there's another word there's committed, um, versus attached and, or intentional versus attached. I don't, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but being attached to something requires that we then have a particular outcome. So we're attached to an outcome. And you look at all of these attachment styles, except for secure, they're all attached to an outcome, getting a feeling. Um, there are, in, even in dating, people are attached to certain things happening that, and it because, probably because of this, because yeah. they need this guy to text them, call them, smother them. So they know that they're loved. They're attached to getting that. And if they don't get that, then they are out. Well, I think when I think about the word attached, I think about it's attached to something, whether that something wants it to be there or not. Right. <laughs> that's that's kind of what we're talking about. But All right. So real quick, there I needs want... to be a healthy, um, a healthy bond or desire, better word for sure. A healthy desire for something versus, um, a, a, an attachment to something. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So I was just going to say real quick, why don't you give us kind of a, an insight into what we're going to talk about next week? Cause now we're going to, unpack it next week yeah, and kind of get into the date like a there like really how a to lot. recognize this stuff and kind of how to work your way through it right and then real world so what to notice across the table and how to write and that kind of what we're going to talk about right yeah yeah so uh so uh we're going to go through the different styles and i will tell you because this book keeps it really simple with three there are multiple i mean if you look at attachment from any other perspective and psychological study, there are all kinds of different quadrants of it. Uh, act, uh, uh, secure avoidant, secure attach, avoidant attach, you know, I mean, just, yeah, there's, there's a lot all of, kinds of variations. Yeah. And again, it's from your caretakers, caretakers, consistency, um, and also relationships. So even if you were a secure, you weren't, if you got into a relationship with somebody that triggered something else, you could temporarily go back to something else. So Absolutely. we're going to go through uh, different styles, uh, different triggers, which I think we went through triggers today. But but I think if you all should read the book because there really is so much information. We could talk about it for days and I really don't want to. Uh, but I love the book. I just, I think it's great information and I think everybody should read it. I just think you should use it as a, a blueprint for understanding yep. yourself more versus labeling yourself that I'm this because correct as Brad said we're not always that right. something could we don't want to label anybody right you don't want to ever label yourself anything because hopefully you're doing the work and trying to always constantly be better right? but understanding and this I mean obviously it's counseling what I do for a living understanding where you came from and what you were given, what tools you were given. I always tell my clients, it's always about your tool belt, like what tools you have in your tool yeah, belt. And sometimes you, oh my God. Um, <laughs> and that was not supposed to be sexual. Of course, Brad took it there. Well, you were tool belt. <laughs> but the, whatever is in your tool belt, all you have are those tools. And so sometimes people need different tools and um, the, you, we have to learn them. So understanding, which is why we went through some of the psychological stuff and where it came from, recognizing your childhood, you don't have to stay there and psychoanalyze it for the next 10 years, but you do need to understand what your style was, what your parents gave you. Uh, Brad's still laughing at tool. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Actually, was replaying on the delay. <laughs> so um, before we go, I want to be sure that we address Elizabeth. You just commented on there. So how do you make it work with different styles of attachment? 
That's next week. That's what we're going to do next yep. week. And I'm sorry, we yep. just couldn't fit it all in. There was so much information. We couldn't jump into the meat and potatoes of it, of the dynamics, without right. going into the basics and what it looks like. For because sure. there are a lot of people that just got the book um, or are just starting to read it and are just dipping their toes in right now or haven't read it at all. Right. And maybe now they're intrigued to read it. Uh, so and you'll be able to knock this out in three or four days. I read 200 pages yesterday. Yeah. So it's not, this is not difficult. Mine stuff. was an hour, about an hour and a half on the plane ride to Atlanta and then an hour on the way back. Bam. It's you easy reading. Did you wear a mask? Whatever. COVID's worse here. Brad. Anyway, um, Atlanta was great, by the way. That was home. So, um, so I got to see family and, Good. and see trees and hills and it was awesome. So, all right. Well, uh, so Elizabeth, we will talk about different attachment styles next week and, uh, and understanding your attachment style and how to avoid mistakes and see your blind spots. John, we will hit that next week. So sorry, we couldn't get to it all. We tried our best to give some basic information and then next week we'll hit part two. And by all means, everybody bring your questions next week. Yes. Uh, so uh, bring your attachment styles and your question because I actually want to know next week when we do this, I want to know what your attachment style is. So I'm going to have you all sharing uh, sharing this information with me. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I, I would like, I'm curious to know what people have discovered about themselves and if there's any revelations you've had about learning your attachment style. So, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for, uh, watching and listening to the Love Building Podcast. And you can listen to the replay on Apple, Google, Spotify, blah, 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 all the rest of them. So I don't know what other ones are there. So, so, uh, we'll see you next week. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today and please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.